Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. And here it is. I've hit the button and we are getting started on this podcast today. I'm not sure why I'm talking about like a robot, but this is going to be fun. I can't wait to introduce the guest today. He is a powerhouse. He is a visionary entrepreneur, recognized rising star, attorney turned marketing thought leader and speaker, and yes, attorney. And I will say one of the friendliest attorneys I've ever met. For the Pete's sakes, he's the vice chair of the Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Central Florida. Come on now. Host of the Exhibit A Attorney's Facebook Live show, host of Getting to Know Orlando, the Oh No Show, managing partner of Jordan Law, Florida, president of Legalese Marketing, Jordan Ostroff. Welcome to the show, sir. And now I'm out a couple hundred bucks for uh, bribing you into that wonderful intro. No, yes. no, no. Seriously. Thanks for having yes. me. I'm excited we're, to be here. What did we say? Do we say we said three, three fifty? Yeah, that what we said? yeah that, we that's say? fine. Okay. And is this a contractual? Uh, how, how does it work? An audio contract? You know, I haven't done legal work in so long that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss of what mutual assent is there. Right. And here comes a preamble. This is not a legal show. Please consult an attorney before taking our advice. <laughs> Man, I'm so glad to have you on here. We're going to talk marketing and I love your background and I love the approaches that we've started talking about before we even began. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to pass you this thing. It's heavy, but you look like you can handle this. So... Okay, here we go. All right, can you grab it? Thor's hammer, just grab it. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. all right. Had, whoa, 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 you fell. It, grab it again. Grab it again. Had I have known, oh. I could have had my uh, my oh. Infinity Gauntlet with me. Oh, you have the Infinity Gauntlet, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that might be too much weaponry. So, take Thor's hammer, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Uh, cold spam, cold outreach, all that stuff is the fucking worst. And I don't know who sold you on some mass tactic, but it's awful and it's ruining your brand and your long-term success. Preach. Why are they doing this? Where did, where does this, why do people do that? Because it's e people talk them into it. It's easy for the marketing company. It's easy to, to get, to download a list and blast out to a hundred thousand people and you know, the the 1% response rate will be more leads than you've had and all that other stuff. But mm. man, it, it sucks. It yeah. sucks for you. It sucks for the people getting it. It sucks for your long-term success. It sucks for, you know, those people trusting you. And it just is a quick way to make a, I guess, I guess it's a way to make a quick buck at the expense of a lot more money and a lot more success later. You know, I have a confession. Can I confess to you? I know sure. you're an attorney, but I don't know if you're a confessor as well. I don't know if this is guarded by attorney-client privilege in front of millions no, you, and millions of people. You're sharing this out to everybody. You've, I'm uh, sharing you've this. Pierce confidentiality. I've pierced it. I pierced the veil. Um, okay, so so I got LinkedIn spam today, and I just was not feeling it. So I actually told the person I wanted to call him a name, but instead I said, "Your actions." I said, "This LinkedIn spam you're doing is making you look like a muppet." And then I then I did a gif of a of a muppet just going doo -ba -doo -ba -doo -ba -doo -ba -doo. and yeah I just needed to confess that to someone because I felt like just calling them names because like because it was a, it was like a serious business guy and clearly this was a machine automated thing that someone had talked him into I'm like dude I don't care who talked you into it 
they're not getting in trouble to your point here. You're the one that gets associated with that. And you look like a Muppet. And I told yeah. him that to his LinkedIn face. And now I will, uh, I have not sent a Muppet gift, but I might put that in, in the quiver. So when I get those messages, I always have one or two responses, right? Either one, I think it's somebody that genuinely doesn't know better and they're trying and I want to give them some free advice. Like I've had a lot of people, especially over the last two or three years that have started their own um, process serving company, have started their own you know, court reporting. And I'm like, hey, look, this is great. You got the Florida bar list of 40,000 of us, but like, what's the benefit to us when I'm getting a hundred of these yeah. messages? And for some of them, we've had a really cool conversation. I'm like, look, what sets you apart? Okay. You're trilingual. Awesome. So I would look at the people that, you know, you speak uh, Spanish, Portuguese, and English. I'd look at people that are in the Hispanic chamber of commerce or the Hispanic bar association or the Brazilian bar. And I'd really target those people for the specificity of that need. And we had great conversations. The other half, exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, no, you think you're you know, smarter than me or, or somebody pulled this over on you, then it's going to be your path to success. And then I'm like, look, man, I, uh, your message is not going to resonate with me. No, it's not going to. And that's, that's very kind of you. I've done that too, where you get a message and you, and you're trying to coach the person. Like sometimes I'll see someone was like a Marine or something. And I'm just like, come on, man. I'm like, stop. Um, but let's talk about Todd. Todd sent me a message today. Hi, Casey. Thanks for connecting. I regularly look for ways to work with my network makes sense to schedule a call. And he says this, my firm continues to function at a high level and I would welcome the opportunity to be a resource. I have no idea what this guy does and his title what that is means. Senior, senior partner at this group. And I'm like, I don't know what you do, Todd. Todd, come on, let's go. And, and, I, and I wrote back to him, what does your group do? Parentheses, consider adding that into your future LinkedIn spam script. <laughs> Passive aggressive. Well, also on your headline, right? Like when I get, because I'll get yeah. the thing where it's people like, okay, we don't want to be too pushy. Tell us about what you do. And I'm like, look, I got to be honest with you. If you don't have a fucking clue what I do from looking at my LinkedIn for 10 seconds, I fucked up. So like, <laughs> if you seriously have this question, please let me know. Yeah. I am unclear in what I'm sharing because uh, I don't know. It's right there for me. I think I, that's the goal. It's right there. You know, I, the one thing I will say that's helpful for people, I think maybe we can start a trend here. Yes. Give advice to people that you think worthy of it. Um, sometimes I'll tell like young professionals, I'm like, dude, whatever company is paying you to do this, they're burning your network, you know, with this campaign, your biz dev, like your brand new company. And, and you're like some young straight out of college. No, no, no. They're burning your thing. Like doing this spam. Don't do it. Um, I saw, I'll try to advise people, but what I really recommend is uh, you actually pitch them back. You just straight up cold pitch them right back and it just feels really good. It's very, it's a cathartic. Uh, and, and they're like, you just like, oh, well, do you guys, so for me, I'm like, do you have a podcast? And they're like, uh, no, we don't. And I was like, oh, well, you totally should because X, Y, and Z. Would you like to get on a call to ske schedule a call to talk about you getting a podcast? And they get really confused because they're like, they thought they were getting me to schedule a call. And I'm asking them, and they're like, confused. And they're like, I thought, no, 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 we were asking, trying to get you on there. And like, oh, you were? I thought I reached out to you. And it just, it's just like comedy ensues where no one knows what's going on. <laughs> See, the problem is I can't have that joke because that genuinely happens. Because I have, so obviously I have the marketing company, the law firm. So I get spam for the law firm all the time. Yeah. And I'm always like, no, I'm good. I also own a marketing company. Then I would say easily two thirds of the time it switches to, well, if you ever have extra work, man, like we're always looking to help. And I'm like, uh, so you're not a good enough marketing company to get enough leads to be set. So you want to hit me up on your cold spam 
for me to send you leads that you can't cold spam the lawyers on their behalf. So like, I don't understand, but anyway, it is what it is. What if we started a trend where next time you get LinkedIn spam, reply back with a Muppet gif, just an edited Muppet. Nothing, no response, just a Muppet. It will start a little trend, you know, of the millions and millions of people that listen to this podcast will all start putting Muppets in the LinkedIn responses. Now, do we have to have the Muppets mean something? Like if you send a beaker versus Kermit, like is there, is there? Yes, that's, that's up to your, your call. So you okay. can decide that's your artistic creative side where you can decide because I saw the beaker one in there too. And so if they're particularly scientific, you might decide to send them a beaker, you know, very much strategy goes into which Muppet to send. I'm digging. I mean, I think Miss Piggy fits this right well, right? You're putting lipstick Ooh, on a pig Ms. with a, a thousand spam messages here. And a really egregious one. There is one that says, you're a Muppet. <laughs> oh, that's, that might be too much. That might, that be, might too be too hard. much. But for the really egregious ones, maybe that's, that's, that's the case. So how do we get out of this? How do you flip someone from this spam mentality? You know, or let's say you're talking to the CEO of a company. They've been misled by terrible thieves in the night and you're like, and you're trying to convince them otherwise, how do you turn them? So I got to be honest, I have boiled marketing down to three things. And I'm at that point, I was joking with somebody, I was doing this bell curve where like they posted a thing about the more I learn about marketing, the more I realize how little I know. And I was like, I'm at that part of the bell curve where I've gotten to the point where I think whatever I don't agree with is wrong until I realize that I'm the wrong one. So for <laughs> yeah. right now, for the, for this moment in time, I have boiled marketing down to three things, right? You have an ideal client, you have some sort of pull, whether that's your brand, and then you figure out where those things intersect in the Venn diagram to how to win friends and influence people at scale. You know, So you take everything that Dale Carnegie wrote almost 100 years ago, you slap that into on a billboard, into ads, into referral relationships, into stories, and you look at where your brand and your ideal client overlap in terms of interest, in terms of platform, in terms of location, in terms of organization, et cetera. And that's it for me. Like the answer to those, the, the differentiating factors among those things will be different for everybody. But like, that's it in a nutshell, I think. All right, let's go through this. And, and so the answer to the universe is 42. And then the answer yes. to marketing is three. First one, ideal client. Hit me. Yeah. How do we figure this out? Some people still don't know. So we have the easy way and we have the hard way. We'll do the easy way first. Okay. If you, if you already have clients, crazy concept. If you actually made a list of which of your clients were your favorite, I bet you they'd have a bunch of things in common. And then that would be your ideal client. Either they came to you the same way, they needed the same thing, they're in the same industry, they're of similar age, I don't know, whatever it is, like you'll find some crazy commonalities um, and there's your ideal client right there. And then from that list, ask them more questions. You know, Ask them about themselves, ask them how they search for other things, ask them for more insight. If you don't have clients already, or if you did this list and you hate all your clients, no judgment, I, I no judgment whatsoever. Um, then you sort of create that person from uh, from scratch. You know, who do I want to work with? What is it about me? Do I want them to be like me? If that's the case, uh, that's easier in some respects. For some of us, if we're truly honest about that part, it's terrifying to work with people like you. I, for me, I have a cool split because on my law firm side, I would be our worst client on my marketing side. I am exactly our ideal client. So it's interesting to me that I get to like make decisions the way I like, and then I have to change my thought process completely for my law firm in terms of what we do. Um, But really put together that ideal person and you're not going to get all of them tomorrow. 
and you can take, you know, if you look at them as that uh, bullseye on a dartboard, you can take people one rung out, two rungs out, three rungs out and work your way in. But like you just put it together and you stay on top of it. And if it changes, it changes. But ultimately, the more that you know who you are trying to have hire you, the easier it is to say yes or no to different opportunities, whether it's coming on a podcast, whether it's spending a bunch of money on advertising, whether it's running Google ads, whether it's you know joining some organization, going to some event, whatever. Think, is my ideal client going to be there? Are they going to look at this? Is this going to resonate with them, et cetera? And you can weed a lot of stuff out right there. I love that. Well, the simplicity of that, the idea of it using it as a filter too. Should I do this or not? It's like your magic eight ball. Should I do this or not? It's not if you like it, if your cousin works at that thing, it's, it's is this going to help you find more of your ideal client? If so, do it. If not, don't, you know, it's like, come on, stop complicating things. Right. Correct. It's okay. easy. And I am of, to tie this back to our initial point. I am of the belief that nobody's ideal client is the moron who got one cold message. It's like, oh my God. I need to spend thousands of dollars with that person because what's going to happen? They're going to get cold messaged by somebody else three weeks later and be like, "Ah, oh, fuck you! This dude's doing it cheaper," or the you know, or this lady <laughs> sent me uh this lady was featured on Forbes, and so I need to hire her to do the thing that I already paid you for because I got right. a message there. So you know, the phrase comes to mind: how they find you or how they buy you is also how they leave you. You know, yeah, the reason they bought you in the first place is also going to be probably the reason they leave you. If they bought you on a whim on a one night stand on LinkedIn, they might leave you that way too. You know, or if they if they needed customer service and you you take your your eye off of that, maybe that's how they're going to find somebody else. Crazy. I like that. What's number two? You said is it brand pull? Is yeah, that what it is? pull cool. brand influence whatever whatever you want to whatever term you want to give on it. Because look, we all have a brand, even if we don't know that we do, or even if we don't put any effort into it. So for me, the Hawaiian shirt, part of the brand, um, oh, yeah. it's something that nice. stands out. Yeah. Good luck. Thank it's you. Fun. I appreciate it. It fits, it fits my body type very well too also. Yeah. So, you know, and I feel more comfortable, right? Like it's, it's unique. It's genuine to me. It's authentic, um, et cetera. And other than like that time frame where people thought I was interested in white power for whatever stupid group was doing oh, the Hawaiian geez. shirts, I've only gotten positive. They can't feedback. have them, man. Those groups cannot have Hawaiian shirts because right. we're not giving them up. We want them. Fat dudes like me who want to feel like I'm on vacation all the time. We cannot lose the Hawaiian shirt. Like I can't go right. back to a suit and tie. And if you're wearing uh, it, you kind of are on vacation, even if you're at work. Totally. Oh, well, and, and I get the funniest, like the reactions from people, you know, like you get a compliment on your shirt. Like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting a lawyer to wear like this. No, exactly. But right. there's 1.3 million lawyers. So if there's like three of us in Hawaiian shirts, we're going to be the memorable ones. Yeah. You can't uh, all wear French cuffs and, and a slick hairdo and a smile, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, whatever that brand is about you and that mm. probably that's the hardest part, right? Cause it's like, what is unique, but also authentic to me that makes people like me or will, you know, will turn me into a magnet that attracts people. It's really hard for people to do this because mm. normally either, either you are your own worst enemy or you are your biggest cheerleader and you have like no concept of self-awareness um, about yourself, right? Like either there's people, especially lawyers who we think we're the worst lawyer in, in the history of time. We think we're morons. And then there's the other group that think we are God's gift to the legal profession. And really most of us are like pretty close to, you know, the middle being average. So you really have to take that look of what do I like? What image do I want to portray? How do I want people to see me in a way that's also genuine and authentic? That's not fake it till you make it. Like this is truly 
put yourself out there and, and see what happens. Yeah. Love it. Um, talk to me about unique because that can be a bit of a sticky point. How the hell do we know it's unique? Is it really? I mean, I, I hear a lot of unique is like, oh, customer service. Well, yeah, they say that too. And I, you're not the best at it. Like you don't know that empirically. So how, how do you create a unique like beyond I mean, the shirt is that's unique, but then it, does your company have a unique, like what, how do you establish that? Yeah. So I, the one that I always get is we are a client centered firm. Yeah. I'm like, listen, dude, if everybody says they're client centric, nobody really is. Yeah. So the, the thing for me, okay. So the Hawaiian shirt, right? So we'll use that as a good example. So what do you think of when you think of Hawaiian shirt, right? Like you're not going to get super overly professional. You are going to get more creative and interesting. So yeah. in all the stuff that we write for our marketing materials, there's references to, you know, 80s and 90s movies. There's jokes and stuff. There's pop culture in there. Like there's not, you're not going to expect to get the, like, we did a ton of research. And according to the 78% of people responded to this, like that's in there, but it's buried underneath like a Terminator 2 reference of I'll be back or something like that. Like we've got that in there. And to be fair, I get messages that people are like, you're not professional enough for me. I never work with you. Cool. Phenomenal. I'm glad that you decided that now, as opposed to three months down the road, or as opposed to, you know, spending an hour at a consultation or doing onboarding to realize that like, I'm okay driving people away because you're going to be the one that hates all of what our copywriters share. You know, like we've got, we've got copywriters that are reformed attorneys. They're writing this really highly technical stuff for these business firms. But at the same time, there's also references in there. There's also jokes about that. There's also, you know, whatever they're going to be that's, that makes sense of their area in that standing out voice. So um, that also, you know, I, I brand myself as a lawyer with a life. So we are huge on work-life balance inside our companies. Yeah. So is that necessarily a unique thing that our clients are going to jump on? Not as much, but from an internal standpoint, like I want clients that understand that if if our team says we can't meet with you at three because so-and-so needs to go pick up their kids from school at that time, I want clients that get that. So we put a lot of that stuff out there. You know, if you want your firm to be that, or you want your marketing company to be that robot that's there 24 hours a day, you can go with somebody else because I don't want to run my company like that. I don't want to drive my people through that. Um, so there's all these ways where like that one decision will snowball in a good way to a bunch of other things. And you really have to make sure that you're committed to the end result of all of that stuff. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be in and make sure it happens. Yeah. And to directly answer your question, um, I guess that was sort of the indirect answer. So you need to have like those three to five unique selling propositions, individualness, unique statement, like whatever you want to call it. And you'll know that it's right when nobody else fits all of them. You know, there'll be people that are two out of the three. There'll be that are four out of the five, but like nobody's going to fit all of those things. And oh, that's combo, when you know that you've been I, that makes, unique enough. That makes a lot of sense, man. The combo, the combo of them. It's a unique combination. Right. So, you know, there's, I don't think there's anything, unless you have a pattern or trademark, which isn't going to exist for services for the most part. Um, you know, everybody's gonna be able to jump on some of the things, but how do you put that whole thing together in a way that nobody else can get? You know, is it a price point? Is it availability? Is it a specific tactic? Is it, you know, how you treat people? Is it the customer service? All those things together as a whole that become things that they can't find anywhere else. And then you also get the benefit of having no competition. Like truly, there are a thousand marketing companies out there. Legalese does not have any competition. 
because nobody checks all of our boxes, which I, boxes. Yeah. I genuinely don't understand that part, but that's why I started a marketing company. Cause I got burned by a bunch of legal marketing experts that really weren't legal marketing experts. Um, yeah. So, so be it. Okay. What's three. And then three is, is like, if you look at those as a Venn diagram, right? It's where they overlap. It's where they intersect. It's how do you win friends and influence people at scale by what the ideal clients like, by what your brand attracts and how you can get that message together. So that might, you know, if you are, if you've got a, a creative, if you're working with a lot of creatives and a lot of cottage industry companies, then maybe you're more interested on Instagram. You know, maybe you need to have that right persona to be visual. They're going to be there. If you're more from a lawyer standpoint, you know, the, the old white business lawyer that all of us picture in our heads when we think of a lawyer from most TV shows, that's a lot more LinkedIn. So you are more long form, more writing stuff, more thought out scholarly type articles on that platform make more sense to the people that are normally on that platform. And so right. you find, you know, you find all those intersections um, and you try and spend as much time, money, energy as you can on being in that place whether it's a platform, whether it's an organization, whether it's an event, whether it's a conference, you know, whatever that looks like. Got it. Okay. I like it. The overlap. So you're not trying, you're not trying to force something that's over here, but not over here, but it's like, Hey, th- this overlap are uniques and this particular ideal client, these people are perfect for it. Let's reach out and touch them and get them to understand what's up. Dude, the best feedback that we get when working with our clients, they're like, this makes sense. Like, yeah, no shit. They're like, but, but like, it never made sense before. I'm like, right. Because nobody really looked at what you wanted and where you could show up to get it or what you could do for it in a way that was cohesive and consistent and et cetera. Like it should be, it's never going to be easy, but it should be simple. Say that again. It's never going to be easy, but it should be simple. Damn. And I feel, is that one of your uniques? Because like, <laughs> yeah, common sense, common sense is one of our uniques. I, it's it's mind boggling. Like, so the one I go back to all the time and I use this for my law firm, it works with a marketing company. I think everybody understands doctors. I don't think anybody understands any other profession. Like we go to the doctor enough to get it. And so as a lawyer, I always used to talk about like, Hey, you show up to the doctor, right? And you've got the receptionist there who takes some information and then you get your you know height and weight done. And then a nurse comes in and then the doctor comes in, right? So like when you're talking to me as the lawyer, you're going to go through a paralegal, you're going to go through a legal assistant, et cetera. And then like, I'll be there at the end to finalize this stuff. From the marketing side, I'm always like, hey, you walk into the doctor's office and they fucking ask you questions and run tests, right? right. Like they, you say, I have a cold and they're like, well, it's probably COVID. So let's run a test or I have this. It's probably COVID. Let's run a test. But like, let's actually do a test. You go to a marketing company and so many of them are like, you need pay-per-click ads you need SEO, you need yeah. this. And I'm like, motherfucker, you have no idea. You don't know that because you don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about my ideal client. We haven't tested any of this. So when I looked at that, I was like, okay, we do actual marketing plans with them first to see what strategies make the most sense. And maybe it's having a podcast and maybe it's running Google ads and maybe it's being 100% referral-based and all of your social media is solely for your referral sources to know you at a time when, you know, we couldn't go out in person for, I don't know, depending on what state you're in for somewhere between three days and two years between Florida and California and everywhere else in between, like all of this should make sense to you as the firm owner, as the lawyer, as the ideal client, as the business that you were trying to grow. 
And I don't get why everybody thinks they have the answer without asking any questions other than it's easy on a marketing company to only do one thing and sell that to everybody and tell everybody that's their solution without having any concept of what that really means. Yeah. Customizing things takes time and resources and cookie cutter is just so much easier, you know? Yeah, totally. But at the same time, I don't know, like, I don't want to be the agency that sits there with that 30% churn rate and is like, Hey, look, I'm going to lose a third of my clients every year, but if I get 50% more, I continue to grow because a lot of, you know, especially like solo and small firm owners, that's not, that's not like missing out on a third yacht. That's Johnny's, uh, you know, uh, college fund, that's Janie's extracurriculars that, I mean, like whatever it is that they can't afford to churn on these solo and and small firms, really any small business owner. And it's crazy to me that, you know, you get all these companies that want to jump on the lowest price point possible, knowing that they'll churn through so many companies that can't afford to waste even, you know, a hundred bucks a month. Man, so good. So good. You, you mentioned a couple different strategies. I'm curious about events. Do you see events coming back in person? Are we so, staying virtual? We do. What are we doing? I'm going to give you the ultimate lawyer answer. It depends, right? Hey. I, yeah. So look, there, there's an interesting to go back to that uniqueness thing, right? I, I love it in the terms of coffee. I don't even drink coffee, but I find coffee to be the most fascinating thing because Starbucks made coffee into a culture, right? Like it's not mm. just a thing. It says so much about you. But now we are getting the fact where like Starbucks has become has become the patriarchy or has become the machine <laughs> that we want to rage against from coffee, right? right? So you've got like you've got like the, you know, military anti-terrorism coffee where like Marines were picking this in the forest of who knows what. (laughs) And what's that? The black rifle coffee, right? Sure. And and there's a bunch of them. Right. And so like, there's, we're going to donate money towards (laughs) wounded warriors. We're going to do this, you know? And obviously I assume there's going to be a a somewhat political nature of that. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where it's like, our beans consent to being picked before we take them. (laughs) And at the end of the day, you're like, it's fucking coffee, but we've really created this concept of, the entire brand from a political standpoint, from a environmental standpoint, like whatever that looks like, we've put so much more into this than need be. And so it's, it's interesting to me to figure out these companies that are truly committed to a very specific thing, brand identity, you know, client, customer, whatever you want to call them in a very, in a very specific and niched way to stand out. Because, because at the end of the day, it is just dirty brown water and it basically all tastes mostly the same. I will say I, I have gotten into drinking it black and that's the real definer of like, is this actually good coffee or not? Because you can disguise it with all that fun, but if you're drinking it black, you're drinking the, the brown water itself. So um, you know what? I got my uh, little cup of uh, Cumberland Farm iced coffee over here. The only reason why is because they're, they're giving away free coffee for like two weeks because of a brand new store that opened up. And I'm like, hey. great campaign. I'll be, yeah. and you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to even buy gas. You just stroll in, fill up with some coffee, stroll out, call it a day. You're like, thanks. It's good. It's good. It's amazing, right? Yeah. And so yeah, but we're not we, all going to have invented like politics and every kind of brand you can imagine to try to label on top of something that is essentially the same thing. It tastes the same way. Yeah, but it stands out, right? There's how many millions of coffee companies and there's, you know, there's the Starbucks, there's Dunkin' Donuts, but then like I gave you an example and you said Black Rifle. Clearly they're doing something right to show up. And whether that's exactly the brand that you need to drink, whether it's the brand you hate, 
it was memorable. It right. stood out. You were aware of it. And ultimately, like, that's the first step. If people don't know you exist, they can't form an opinion of you positively right. or negatively. Right. They just don't know about you, period. Yeah, there's a ridiculous video they made about walking through their office, like shooting bad guys. It was like absolutely ridiculous. And it was great. It was it was funny. And they, they got me. Um, I haven't ever bought their coffee, though, because companies is free so yeehaw but but i know it's there to your point and so at least they got me started thinking about it um you, you know what's interesting this reminds me of i learned about cuban cigars a couple of years ago and for the longest time this might still be true i don't know if they've changed it since but for the longest time cuban cigars are at all fancy and i used to oh if i can get one you can't really get one in the u.s and so for those that don't know they used to be forbidden the United States, there was a blockade. You couldn't get them. You can get them in London and other places. Well, they have all these different wrappers and brands and shapes and kind. They're exactly the same. They're all literally the same leaf wrapped in different things. And what they would do is they'd sort these bundles of leaves by different colors. So like, oh, these are, these ones are a little darker here. Let's make these in the darker one. And he, but they're all literally the same leaf, but they were packages like, oh, Romeo and Juliet or this and that. And and it was literally the same thing, but we, we, I, and I, it got me thinking about your coffee thing. How many coffee beans literally come over from the same, you know, place in Colombia, the farm, and they're literally packaged something completely different. Yeah. Dude, and they've done, and look, they've done this study, right? They've done every study. The, the one that's my favorite, along what you're talking about, they set up these, uh, it was a free, it was a free food option. And in one place you got paper plates. And you got chicken and mashed potatoes. And in option two, you got super fancy plates on glassware and you got, you know, a, a range free roasted chicken with herb seasoning. And you got, you know, home style mashed potatoes with a garlic aioli. And it was the same thing. <laughs> and they had people rate the food. And sure enough, the more, you know, the thing they said, we'd expect to pay 20 bucks for this. It was more expensive on nicer plates. It had more wording, whatever. And the other stuff we'd expect to pay, you know, five or six bucks for this. It was cheaper. It was all right. It hit the spot and it was the same thing. But we've created this entire culture and expectation around the, around the product, around the service, around the experience. And I don't mean that as a bad thing by any means. No. You know, I think you get people that the height of being rich, right, is the opportunity to spend more money to get served better or to get the express lane or whatever it looks like. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the companies that have really jumped on taking that to the nth degree are the ones that are going to really resonate with clients that become those primal brands that become that, you know, raving followers that become that group that survives, you know, an, an oncoming recession or whatever, you know, whatever we're looking at over the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. No recession or whatever. Yeah. And that leads to my next question, which is, you know, what what's challenging you right now? What's what's the biggest challenge? Maybe keeping you up at night or just kind of bugging you? You know, I mean, look, the biggest challenge is stopping the amount of fucking bullshit spam that I get, right? Like that's yeah. the uh no, but but seriously, I for me, I I sit in this interesting place, I think, because ultimately like, I am a lawyer, my law firm goes through a lot of this stuff, and then I help other companies create the same, you know, other law firms create the same benefit off of what works for me or what didn't wow. or the strategies behind it. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued by this concept of helping lawyers understand when it's time to be a firm owner or when it's time to give up being a firm owner and go back to having a job, especially with what we've been through for the last two years, especially with whatever's coming down the pipe. Um, and I really, 
I feel like there are so many, so many unhappy lawyers because they spent $200,000 on law school because they have to get the fancy white collar job, but really they would rather be helping smaller people because they open the law firm and they feel like it's a failure if they went to, you know, and found a job in bigger law or in another firm. And so like, there's this weird psychological community pressure on them. And they're just like, I'll just be fucking miserable for the next 30 or 40 years. And, you know, and then I'll die. I like, it's just mind boggling to me how many people are committed to that. So that's what I hope to, uh, to help break because in the days that are in the days that suck, if you enjoy what you're doing, you get through it a lot better. Whereas if you hate what you're doing, even days that are good in the back of your mind, you're like, when's the next problem? When's going to be the next issue? You know, when, why am I still miserable even when I'm making a bunch of money? And it's just, it's crazy to me that so many people commit to that. Yeah. Like there is a better way. It doesn't have to be like this. Don't suffer for the next 30. You you pile up money or get yourself out of debt. And then you realize it's time to die and you don't have any, any any runaway left, man. Yeah. Life's too short not to really find the sweet spot. And there's nothing wrong with deciding to, you know, work, work at that other company or take a break or whatever, you know, it's great that you figured it out and you found some different paths and probably the hard way. And then eventually you're just trying to I mean, do you counsel people on this? Do you co- you coach lawyers as well as doing the marketing or? Um, so no, I, I like, I refuse to coach. So, uh, you know, this whole thing, we've talked about the customization, right? So from a marketing standpoint, it's really easy for me to work with somebody on their customization mm-hmm. from coaching. I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't know it well enough to tell you like, well, this is what I did for me. Like I work two days a week. So when I set up my firm, I set up hiring people to take as much off my plate so I can have my two days a week and same thing for the marketing company. And that was my decision. And it's really hard for me to look at somebody who's like, oh no, I want to make a million dollars a year. And I don't care if I work 90 hours a week and have anything to give them when all <laughs> of my pull is like, dude, I want to like, I'm spending more time with my kid than I ever have. And he's yeah. four. And by the time he hits school, then I'm going to lose, you know, 20 something hours a week with him, right. Uh, right there. And then like, who knows what, you know, dude, school, like who knows what he's going to learn. Seriously, seriously. And pay all that money for it. Uh, Fun tangent aside, how in the world can you possibly work with other attorneys? And then are, do you, how many cycles do you guys go back and forth on, on your agreement? Like, do they all want to modify and update it and change the state? And like, you know, or is it easier because you are an attorney and help me No one reads it. None of them read it. What? None of them. I have, let me rephrase I, I have had, like, I've genuinely had five, not even 5% of our clients, maybe 3% of our clients send me any question about the contract in any way, shape or form. And like, that's, that's day one of law school. But like, honestly, look, if you, every time you update your iPhone, right. And you get the new iTunes service or whatever it is, that's like 25 times longer than the declaration of independence. Like we've created these, you know, user agreements right. that are never going to be read that are way longer than the foundation of our entire fucking country. (laughs) Um, And I like, so we have a two page contract and like at the same time, what are the odds of me suing somebody for it? Like that's, you know, that's a whole nother can of worms. So we have all these, so you have all these law firms that put together these 15 page agreements and then like, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to enforce them. You're going to, you know, everybody wants to come out of it with as clean hands as possible with to, help the relationship to understand what's going on, whatever that looks like. So like, what's the point about putting all this bullshit into it? Um, so, you know, we've got a couple of things, mostly it's like charging your credit card on payment plans and stuff like that. Cause I specifically have to have it and whatnot. Otherwise it's like, look, this is what we're going to do. This is what we expect from you and everybody, you know, let's hold up our end and everybody be happy. 
Yeah. I like that. I'll have to talk offline. I'd, lo- I'd love to either see that or swap some notes with you and maybe get some yeah. of your help on mine because I, in the past, I've really liked the sort of simple agreements with plain English saying, look, this is what we're going to do. And if I need a you know, paragraph with all caps and legally is fine. But for the most part, just, you know, just let's get to work, right? Let's not bicker on all these little details over here let's let's build some value let's get you some new clients you know and and honestly i'll, I'll send you a copy of ours no problem no oh, yeah. um but honestly like in the email that has our contract it says exactly what we talked about it's like jordan makes us do this it's the only time you're going to get lawyers speak just read it and you know let us know what questions you have yeah i love that love that it's like a real person approach again back to the brand hawaiian shirt you're getting look let's dot the i don't worry about the t let's get going you know, start. So I, I dig that. Where's the future going for you? What are you excited about? What's coming around the bend in the future that you're excited to really just jump into? Like in life or in work? I don't know anything, man. Just are, do you see anything from where you're at that changes are happening, that changes are coming, and you're like, that's exciting. So if we want to go like complete gonzo thought process, Sure. I'm really, you know, like everything old is new again, right? Like Tamagotchis came back, bell bottoms sure. have been in and out a couple of times. So like, I think people want to get back to the 1980s, like stranger things mentality. Not obviously not with like the underground and upside down and all that stuff. The monsters and stuff. <laughs> right. Forget putting that part aside, but like there clearly is such a nostalgic love of everything late eighties, early nineties type style. Right. And so yeah. how do we recreate that now? I really, truly think that we're talking about, and this is probably 10 years down the road, we're talking about a lot more VR so people can go to like a virtual mall and just hang out in a virtual, like all the shopping malls are closed. Nobody actually wants to fucking go in person. But like if we can put on a headset and wander around a bunch of stores and just like digitally window shop, right? Like Amazon has been too helpful to us. They know exactly what, if Amazon sent me a box every month with what they think I know, they're probably right. Like I just want to wander. And so that's what I see happening with a lot of like the Decentraland and the Web3 stuff and Oculus Rift and whatever comes out from those things. What's that going to mean for a law firm? I have no idea. Cause like, do you really want to talk to some, you know, digital robot that's standing in front of a virtual law office? I have no idea. There are definitely firms that have offices in Decentraland already. Yeah. Whether they get anybody from it, I don't know. But I really think that at some point people want to get into this concept of like, I don't even want to call it fake life because it's more real than like a video game, but this augmented reality, secondarily, uh, you know, secondary thing um, where that, what timeline on that? I have no idea, but that's what I'm thinking is long-term. That's a good point about things cycling through and us being nostalgic for the thing that came before and everyone kind of wanting that Um, good stuff, man. Well, I guess going back in time, I had this question, like, who are you? Who are you? Take me back in time. Did you always know you're going to be an attorney when you're a little kid? Like, what was it like growing up? You, did you know you're going to be an attorney, a marketer and, and all on podcasts and all these things? So there was a white room, a doctor smacked me in the ass. I started crying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, to be fair, I remember all that. That's great memory. You have, <laughs> dude, I remember nothing. Um, <laughs> no. So I can't tell you how young I was when I wanted to be a lawyer. Like everybody in my family was telling you I wanted to be that my entire life. Had no clue what that means. And some days I still don't know what it means to be a lawyer. At some point I realized it just meant arguing with people and trying to convince them you're right. Like at its core, that's probably what we do. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So all my home videos of me like arguing with my mom about God knows what that I had no clue about is like, 
I was the first mansplainer, you know, like three years old telling my mom <laughs> what life was really like. Um, yeah. So, and then for me, I like, I, and then I did it, you know, I, I shouted a judge when I was in high school for a couple of weeks and then I did fake trial at uh, UCF for undergrad and Barry for law school. And then I was a prosecutor and I got to try like 50 cases and handle tens of thousands of cases overall and do a bunch of motions. And then I opened up a firm. And I realized none of that fucking mattered in any way, shape or form to me wow. putting food on the table for my family. Like me being the best attorney I could be was not nearly as helpful as me having any semblance of business acumen. And so really like legalese came out of the frustration of not being able to find a marketing company. So like, I guess- So yeah, explain that. So like, it, it didn't matter that you were a great attorney because you just wouldn't get the business? Is that- Yeah. So yeah, okay. I so I, um, I came up to Orlando in 2006 to go to UCF. Barry's law schools in Orlando. I was a prosecutor in Orlando. So at the point that I launched my firm, I'd been here for almost 10, 10 years and I had been do, wanting to be a lawyer that whole time. So as you know, at, at an undergrad in UCF, we had real judges and real attorneys coming in to shadow us and give us feedback and you know, walk us through our fake cases and then competing and whatnot. So I generated like more money than I knew what to do with for me starting. You know, As a prosecutor, when I left, I was making like $50,000 a year. I right. started out on my own. I generated like $15,000 in the first two weeks. And I was like, oh my God, like that's, you know, a whole <laughs> quarter of salary. I was like, man, if I hire one of these fancy marketing companies, everyone talks about like, if they could do half what I'm doing, like I'll be a millionaire next yeah. year. And instead I blew all of it. Like goodbye, every dime that I didn't need to support my family from it because nobody got it or nobody wanted to get it. And to their credit, I didn't have a sales process in any way, shape, or form. I wasn't mm. tracking. I, you know, I had an Excel spreadsheet to track stuff. Yeah. I was following up with leads when I found the time. Like there was nothing in place to build off of. But at the same time, like they didn't check that. So all I'm sitting here, like I'm paying you, you know, five thousand dollars a month for Google Ads. I'm signing up one twenty five hundred dollar case a month. Like that's not a good. That's not rate it. of return, even if it's my fault. Like I could be the problem. You could be sending the best leads. I may not call them back quickly enough. I don't know. But like, that's still a problem for you, the marketing company. Right. And I realized, you know, more and more, like that was my job. My job was to be the director of marketing of my firm. Before I was a lawyer, that was it. Before I was a lawyer, I was HR. Before I was a lawyer, I was hiring and building systems before, you know, and like, if I yeah. got through all those things, then I had the time to do the legal work. And so like, I don't take, I don't take a, anything away from great lawyers. I just, for me, it, I was losing so much money on all the other stuff to then not have the time to be a lawyer anyway. And so I just finally committed to, you know, um, I connected with Greg, who's my business partner on uh, LegalEase, who comes from the big agency background. And really he was like, Hey, you just never did marketing 101, you know, the ideal client and knowing this stuff and, you know, and having any semblance of an idea of how to build a strategy. And so we, you know, put it together for the, for the firm. I got way happier. I started making way, I started making money, I guess, period. Nice. I wasn't blowing, you know, $200,000 I didn't have plus everything I did. Oh um, and then we were like, wait a minute, this might work for other people. And so like, right. that was the whole thing. Like, you know, our, our first handful of clients was friends in Orlando that I used to meet with every month to bitch about our firms that I started saying like, oh my God, like this is, you know, this is exciting. I am not a, I'm not spending all this money to get people that don't want to pay me the money I want to make anyway. You know, I'm not doing right. this. I'm not doing that. Um, and it was crazy to see. And then it worked for them. But we went through that same process. Like, who are you actually trying to get? How are you getting them? What are you interested in doing? You know, do you do you want to be the face of the firm? Do you want to be a marketer? Do you want to be a lawyer? Okay, if you don't want to be 
you know, if you don't want to be the marketer, then, you know, having a podcast and interviewing all these people and doing all these networking things, like that's just going to pull you away from wanting to be the lawyer. So then either you got to get more ad heavy or you have to go hire somebody else or go work for somebody else to cover that side of the stuff. And it was like crazy to see the impact that those questions had because apparently nobody else was asking them or certainly not in, you know, in the legal space in our area. Yeah. And in a, in a responsible, caring way that actually wanted to see the results happen. A lot of people selling you clicks and widgets and half the, half the solution, but you found, you found the full thing yourself. And then you're like, let me replicate this for everyone else. Like that's, that's awesome. And, and to be fair, genuinely the, the beginning of this was, would this like, am I special? And I found out it wasn't in a great way. Like I'm not special. There are the same foundations where everybody has a different answer or everybody has different tactics or strategies or budget or whatever, but like the concepts are the same for everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of people like to say, oh, like we talked about earlier, it depends. Well, some things depend, but some things are just the way they are. Like these are just de facto. Yeah. I mean, like look at social media, right? I'm sure everybody has seven to 10 basics of, of social media that we all truly agree upon. Right. And then after that, it's like, Hey, this is the trending audio for these two weeks. Or, oh my God, you know, I show a little bit more uh, chest hair in this one and more people do it. Or, okay, <laughs> I have the, you know, I have a call to action at the end of this that says this versus this call to action. That does slightly better. Like, you can get as granular as you want with all this. But at the end of the day, it's like window dressing on top of the same foundation that everybody agrees upon needing to have. That's right. This episode has been sponsored by Chest Hair for Days, chesthairfordays.com. Uh, yeah. So, so I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you. So sure. I may actually have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. Okay. So, so you, you come visit, we get some lobster, get some beer, whatever. And then you get a chance to use the time machine. It's in the backyard. Um, and so we use this machine, but it's particular and it goes back in time. You get to meet yourself a couple days after your undergrad um, and you get to meet that version of you. And I have locked things down. So the space-time continuum will not be broken. You won't create flash points. Important rule. You know? I like it. Yeah, okay. Important rule. Uh, and you can tell yourself anything you want. What would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? I mean, like what the easy answer, what is like uh, Apple, Amazon, Tesla. That's probably <laughs> the, uh, the bull. No, I mean, honestly, I, this is the part that I struggle with from that question. Because ultimately, I fucked up so much, but that's what got me here. Yeah. So like, how much information do I really want to tell myself? And probably it's like, look, dude, it gets better. Like, may, like, I think that's probably the advice is not anything specific other than just like stress yourself out a little bit less as you go through the shit. Because ultimately, like we are, if you want to get really philosophical, like we are the culmination of all of our experiences and our genetics and our being and whatever. So really you can't fault anybody for what they do based upon the fact that like they were made to do that from everything else that they've done to the extent that whether you believe in free will or not, like there's still got to be some sort of wiggle room, but like you made the decision to go to law school, to learn, to think like a lawyer, to do this kind of practice area. Um, So I don't know how much I'd want to change any of my, past. I mean, it would be great to avoid blowing all that money, but at the same time, like, I don't know that that would put me where I am today. Yeah. And those mistakes while costly in terms of money and time, probably aggravation 
led to you growing and freaking out and saying, not, you know, not anymore. Let, let me figure this out myself. And then now you're helping plenty of other people out. And so you're right. If you remove that pain, then you may not be at that other place where you're at now. Yeah. Cool. I like that. So we're not changing the past, but it sounds like words of encouragement. Like you got this man. Yeah, it'll be fine. You know? And then at the end of the day, we all die. So, you know, so, whatever yeah. you you learn a bunch between now and then you have a bunch of fun between now and then you try and make decisions that push that day as farther down the pipe as possible but like i think everybody gets so wrapped up in sort of you know like wanting life to be like a tv show when yeah. like that's not sustainable like nobody yeah. wants you know every 40 minutes to have uh some terribly high stakes in your life like that would drive you nuts yeah 100 percent for sure and, and you get desensitized to it as well Quick question. Where, where did this, have you always been this way? Have you always been this like, I don't want to say casual, but like you, you have a really good sense about you, about life and purpose and how you're enjoying it. Have you, have you always been, or is there a point when that shifted? Yeah, that, so I, I, uh, I want to, I want to phrase this the right and supportive way, right? Like being emotionally stable is a luxury because yeah. there are a number of factors and and I don't even mean that from a, from a true mental health standpoint, because obviously you got the factors there, but 100%. like, if you are, when I was $200,000 in debt and struggling to make payroll all the time and all that stuff, like it made me aggravated. It made me miserable. And I think that's probably how you should feel in that situation. Yeah, I agree. At some point though, I finally came to the realization that like I was the fucking problem, which was cool because that was the liberation of, I could fi- I could change myself a lot easier. You, you I could, could fix myself. I had control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's what really helped me make that switch. But I think I also needed to be in a better financial place. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully I'm, I'm married very well. My wife is a way better lawyer than me and a way better nice. person than I will ever be. And, and that helped, but like I needed to be stable, financially stable, business stable. I don't know, something like that to really have the opportunity to uh, be happy or to have a better perspective, I think. Right. And prior to that moment, that moment, that that terrible valley you were in, would you? What if I had interviewed you on a podcast? Would you be in a suit? So like, or, you know, or has that always? Have you always been Hawaiian shirt guy inside, no. and like you just let him out after that? Or, oh. or, oh yeah. So there was definitely the like, oh my god, if I wear this shirt, I'm gonna get that big client. That's like, I'm never gonna hire you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there was definitely, you know, st- uh, when I was a state attorney, I did that for a little over three years. It was. It was suit every suit or at least jacket and, and pants every day. In my office, I probably would like undo the tie and take off the jacket, roll up the sleeves, that type thing. But like I was, I had that look. Um, and then when I opened the firm, I probably kept that for quite a bit. And then finally realized like I was doing so much more networking that if I didn't have court, like a polo and, and pants was fine. And then that became a polo and shorts and that became a polo and shorts and sandals. And that became a, like it was just slowly a, a progression to now I'm wearing athletic shorts, sandals, my Hawaiian shirt. And that's uh, that's probably where I'll stop because I don't really have anywhere else else to go. <laughs> there are speedos. <laughs> yeah, I you know that has a whole other problem for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, sky's the limit, though, um, man. So you work exclusively with attorneys because I'm sure there's a bunch of people that would like love to work with you, but they need to have law firms. Is that the case? So exclusively in the legal space. So there's okay. a couple. There's some lawyer coaches we work with. There's some uh, process servers or. Okay. Um, court reporting that we'll work with, but I mean, 95% or more it's, it's lawyers and law firms. 
And that's because you have expertise there, you have history there, and you just want to, because technically those three things that affect everyone, you could probably do that for anybody. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I have, I have basically copied the Gary, Mee, the Gary V model only like specifically in the legal industry. So oh, it allows nice. me to socially listen really well because I, I need it. Like I need to listen as a law firm owner, you know, I'm going to conferences to learn from my firm just as much as I'm going to present I and help get it. No, that's other smart. people. Um, you know, so longer term, you know, I'd love to recreate legalese across other industries, but finding that version of May or, or a slightly different version of May, who's a probably not financial advisor because you guys have the craziest rules, but who's an accountant, who's a realtor, who's, you know, mortgage broker, and probably white collar professionals, right. um, dentist, you know, those kind of things. I think it'd be really cool because there is that like just little bit of business consulting from the industry knowledge that then translates so much better to a graphic designer, to a social media coordinator, to, you know, whomever else that's nerdy and super smart when it comes to the actual marketing side. Makes sense. And and there's that not taught this in school. Here I am trying to do my craft and yet realizing it's there's two jobs. There's getting the business and then doing the thing I was trained for in the first place. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, and at the end of the day, I think every, exactly what you said is every business, you know, every business is in the, the business of customer service Yeah, and they need to be a marketing company for themselves. And totally. then you add a third component or whatever you do. But like, if you do great service and you market yourself really well, you can't really screw up. No, no, you can't. Love it, man. Where can people connect with you? If they want to connect with you, get in your loop, listen to you, follow what's up. Sure. Um, if you are, so you can go on LinkedIn, you'll get a little bit more businessy version of me on, you know, Instagram and Facebook. You'll get a little bit less. You wear pants on LinkedIn is what you're saying. You know, it's only from here. I I, to be fair, I did have my profile picture of me in a suit on LinkedIn for like two years too long. And finally I had a Melanie Littman on my show and she called me out on it in a, in the nicest most supportive way. And I was like, you know what? You're fucking right. Like I'm the Hawaiian shirt guy. Why the hell am I in a suit on LinkedIn? So I swapped it uh, finally. And then on, you know, TikTok, Instagram, I'm lawyer with a life on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm Jordan Ostroff. There's as far as I know, only two of us. The other one's a uh, really good salesperson in Boston who gets a ton of job offers to my emails. So he's clearly doing something right. Um, I don't know if he gets job offers about me to his email. I'm not sure, but we, you never know. <laughs> so wild, man. Uh, well, I, I just, I love it. Cause you're, you're like, you're your authentic self and it's, and it's working. And I think it's a great example for other people to just be themselves. I think my picture on LinkedIn for the longest time has like a climbing helmet on. Hey, I'm climbing a helmet. I had someone who met me 10 years ago in an interview and she saw me in a business meeting. She's like, you're the helmet guy. I, I interviewed you. You know, it's like, no kidding. You know, I just, just be yourself. You know, I think there's too much of that cover up and things we try to try to fake. And, and look, it's going to drive people away. You are, right. you are becoming a magnet, right? A magnet attracts certain things and repels other things, mm, but just smart. in the, just in the lawyer space, there's 1.3 million attorneys. The last time I saw this, so it's probably closer to 1.4 now with so many bar things. Yep. So if a million people know you and you're their, their third favorite attorney, their second favorite attorney, whatever, not number one, they're probably going to go to that first person before. And that person has to turn down the case, the lead, the referral, the speaking opportunity, whatever it is. If you have a thousand people that have you as their number one go-to for your area of law or anything legal or whatever that is, that's going to be so much more powerful. Mm. So 
throw out every stupid vanity number. None of like success is not about quantity. It's about quality and really focus on the quality of person you want to work with. The type of person that sends you the quality case that is the quality client, like whatever that looks like is so much better than trying to not piss, you know, everybody off. You want to piss off. Like if you can piss off half the world, the other half will love you that much more. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll be plenty of business right there. Half the world. Plenty. Plenty. Totally. Jordan, this is fantastic, man. Thank you so much for coming on here and just schooling me on the three basics. Um, the simple yet not easy. Uh, I love this, man. It's a fresh approach. I'm thinking about coffee now. I'm thinking about the marketing plans, the overlap. I just really appreciate you coming on here. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's always nice to talk to a uh, a fellow marketer about all this stuff and yeah. bounce ideas and get feedback. Hell yeah, man. I feel like I feel like I'm overdressed. I need to get in that shirt. I need to drive home right now and get in that shirt. Or for you, wear a climbing helmet for all the interviews. For the interviews, right? Like, you know, it'll it'll appeal, it'll stand out, it'll get people to remember. And then and the other part is, right? I'm sure you get this because I get this. You're not going to get a messenger like, hey, man, you did a great job on so-and-so. You're going to get messages like, I climbed too. Take uh, a bunch right. of my money. Right. <laughs> so good. Such a good point. Um, for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I've got way too many notes over here going on, then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader. One person, nine people, 4,000 people, whatever it is. Get good information in other people's hands. If you know some marketers at law firms, Help them out, make some connections, get them connected here. And again, Jordan, thanks so much for coming on here. Oh, wait, we didn't do where spam comes from though. Oh, where does spam come from? Spam comes from a Monty Python skit where they put spam in everything. So they are cramming the spam into eggs, bacon, spam, and spam. It's like a five minute clip from uh, uh, Flying from Circus. Like, yeah, the spam. So that's that, where we get. Because they try to cram spam everywhere. That's why spam is spam. That's why it's spam is spam. Well, there we go. It's like bonus material. If people have listened to all the way to the end, now they know where spam has come from. Uh, it's come from Monty Python. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Monty. I guess if they didn't exist, what would we call it? If we didn't call it spam, what would we call it? Shit. <laughs> and that's it, man. And that's it. Uh, this has been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 